How we doing? Good. Hey, great. Not too many KU fans, apparently. That's all right. Hey, I get it. Hey, uh, you picked a good Sunday to come to church. Not just because of that, but because we're starting a brand new series today called, uh, uh, um, sorry, called... <laughs> You don't want to forget, right? Remind me. That was a joke. You guys were supposed to laugh at that, but nobody got it. All right. Well, nonetheless, it's going to be a rough morning today. I don't know how things work at your house, but you, uh, for me, I have to write everything down. Uh, reminders, notes, things on my calendar. If I don't write everything down, if I don't set the reminders in the phone, I tend to forget everything. I miss meetings. I miss games. I forget to bring home the ice cream for my pregnant wife. How many of y'all know when mom is not happy? Nobody's right. Exactly. You know, especially if you're about to pump out a human being from your body, then that tends to make things even worse when you forget those things. Now, in fairness to me, we share a calendar. Laura has no idea how to work the reminders app in her phone. And so she puts weird things in her calendar. And I don't like seeing weird things in my calendar, like oranges on Tuesday at three. What does this even mean? I can't, I I don't know how to deal with that. And so uh, in fairness, if I forget something, it tends to be her fault. If somebody could just teach her how to work the reminders in the iPhone, that would be fantastic. Life is just a disaster currently in the Jordan household. But here's the interesting thing about reminders, okay? God often reminds us to do different things. Frequently within the Bible, he says, hey, build an altar over here and let it remind you of what I accomplished on your behalf. Tell the generations behind you of the things that I have done. Or he'll say, write this down and every seven years, read it to the people. He reminds us to do things. He tells his prophets, remind the people, tell them not to forget something, whatever it is. He does it all throughout scripture. Remember, don't forget, remind. So God routinely has to remind us of who he is and what he's done. So I thought what we should do here leading up to Easter over these next three weeks is just remind ourselves of some of the things that God has commanded or he's asked us to do. And truth be told, many of the things that we're going to cover are probably some spiritual truths that you already know. But we need to be reminded of some things. We maybe have forgotten the importance of them. Right out of the gates, I'll tell you my goal for this series. My goal these next three weeks is to help challenge your faith. I want your faith to grow. I want your confidence in God to grow. I want you to get a little bit out of your comfort zone, especially leading up to the resurrection of our God. I'm going to ask you to do some things that maybe you don't feel comfortable doing, but I believe if you'll do these things and you'll allow God to work in your life, it's going to make a huge difference, not just in your life, but in the lives of the people that you love. Because here's what's really fascinating to me. I don't know if you read your Bible, but if you do, one of the things that you'll probably be struck by is that in the New Testament, individuals are invited to connect with God, not through consistency or ritual or tradition, but people are encouraged to connect with God through Jesus Christ because of faith. Faith is the the difference in how we connect with God. In other words, a, a person comes to God by saying, I place my trust, or I place my confidence, or I place my faith in Jesus as my Savior, because he paid the penalty that was due me. I'm putting my trust in him, and I get to connect with God. Now, 
the theme that you'll read about in the Old Testament, which is much older than the New Testament. That's not what it's called. That's just ironic. I thought I'd point that out. Nonetheless, the theme there is that the relationship with God has been broken. Here's how it's going to be restored. It points us to the coming of Jesus. But in the meantime, God says, here's how you can connect with me. And he, he gives some laws and he points out some sacrifices that you can give uh, in order to connect with him. Furthermore, what you'll see in the Old Testament is that people aren't able to keep up their end of the bargain. They need a different way to connect with God because if it's dependent on their ability to do anything, they're not able to live up to it. They consistently fall short. And I tell you this to remind you that the Bible really tells one story throughout the Old Testament into the New Testament. This relationship with God has been broken. How do we restore this relationship? That's the theme of the Bible. It's the issue that the New Testament addresses, the issue of trust. Trust was broken in the Old Testament. It points us to the New Testament, how we can get uh, the trust back. Because I don't know if you can be honest with yourself, but I believe that all of us have said this in our own way, and that is, God, I don't think you have my best interest in mind. I don't know if you would actually articulate that, but I believe that how you live, you say things like, well, I know what's good and I know what's bad and I think you're keeping something good from me. How many times have you violated your conscience or disobeyed God because you thought something was going to lead to your enjoyment or benefit or whatever and only to find out that it didn't, that you felt like God was trying to keep something good from you? It's actually how the whole sin thing got started. If you read in uh, the very first book of your Bible, in Genesis, you can see this. When God makes Adam and Eve, he puts them in the garden. He says, this is all yours. The entire world is yours. I just need you to tend this garden. Maybe keep an eye out on these animals for me. You're probably going to want to have some help with this. This is a pretty big, vast area, so make babies, lots of babies. It's an incredible job opportunity for people, but I don't want you to eat from this one tree because I'm God and I've given you the entire world. I need to remind you that you're not God, so please don't eat from this one tree. It's a pretty, pretty good gig, but eventually man and woman are off rummaging through the garden. The devil shows up on the scene. He says, hey, God's trying to keep something from you. You know, you could be like God if you would just eat from this one tree. He doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he told you not to do it. But if you do, you can, you can find goodness and become like God if you'll eat of it. And they fall for the trick. The relationship with God is broken. The trust is broken. You can see that sin entered the world all around this idea of trust. Can you trust God that he is who he said he was and that he would do what he said he would do? So Jesus has to enter the scene, and this is what I love. He, he makes trust the essence of who he is. He repairs the relationship with God through trust. Check this out. It's Romans 3.22. We are made right with God by placing our trust or our faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that remarkable? Your faith and trust is the essence of your relationship with God. It's not by doing a bunch of good stuff. The relationship wasn't broken because you necessarily did a bunch of bad stuff. The relationship was broken because of trust. 
So when you hear me or any of the other leaders here at New Anthem talk about this relationship with Jesus Christ and how we want you to have a relationship, what we're talking about is we want you to learn how to trust God more. We want to teach you how you can grow your confidence in God. That's what this relationship is all about. It happens by reminding ourselves of all the things that God has done on our behalf. And it happens when God brings things into our lives that are meant to grow our faith. We don't always understand those things, but they're meant to grow our trust and faith in God. And so I want you to think about something here for a second. All great relationships, any great relationship in your life is completely predicated on trust, right? Your friendships, you can trust those people, your spouse, you can hopefully trust them. Your parent-child relationship, everything is predicated on trust. And what's cool about God is he knows this. He knows that relationships are hinged upon trust. And so God knows that uh, that this is characterized by trust. So all throughout the Bible, he points out ways for you to learn how to trust him more. But trust always precedes laws and commands. You think about the people in uh, Israel when they were brought out of Egypt before they got the Ten Commandments. What did God do? He rescued them from slavery. He led them through the Red Sea, parted the waters for them. He fed them. He did everything so they could learn trust. He says, you can trust me. And then he says, now here's some laws that I want you to follow setting up a a, a place here, a, a, a community for you to live in, and you need to keep these laws and commands. I designed this whole world, and I've designed how I want it to work, so now I want you to follow these laws and commands. But you see, trust preceded the laws and commands. It always works that way. Now, you can't forget that because I want to spend the rest of our time together talking about something that God has commanded us to do, but the reason he's commanded it is because he wants something for you, not from you. This is an issue of trust. Do you trust God with your entire life? You still with me? Good. If you brought a Bible, go ahead and grab it. I want you to open it up towards the back, that section called the New Testament or new covenant has nothing to do with age. It's all about the promises of God. The first book in your New Testament is a book called Matthew, written, uh, named after its author. So you want to find Matthew 14. That's the big number 14. It'll all be there in your notes as well. You should have got some notes on your way in. You want the little number 13. We're going to read a wildly popular story. I think we're going to come at it from a little bit of a different angle this morning. But it reads... Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Now, have you ever jumped into a story and, and were like, wait, what, what just happened? When Jesus heard this, what did, what did he hear? It's like a Quentin Tarantino movie or something. You're partway through. When he heard about the death of his cousin, a guy named John the Baptist, okay, a king cut off his head because this king married his brother's wife. John the Baptist liked to use that as a sermon illustration of what not to do. It made everybody mad, especially the wife. And so they end up killing uh, John the Baptist. So when Jesus heard about this, the death of his cousin, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, 
No time for Jesus to be upset, right? I mean, they, people followed him. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them. He healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But you know what the disciples were really thinking. Jesus, we're hungry, man. We need some food. Send the people away so we can get some food, right? I mean, put yourself in the story. Jesus has been preaching and teaching all day, healing the sick. The disciples have probably just kind of been hanging out, helping however they could. They're like, Jesus, can we get some tacos or something in here? This is, this is unbelievable. You're spending all this time. Wrap it up, Jesus. That's what they're saying. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, you can't miss this, because part of this story certainly is the miracle of Jesus feeding over probably 15,000 people with some bread and fish, but that's not the only point of the story. It would have been pretty funny to kind of see the looks on the disciples' faces, though, when Jesus breaks up these loaves and hands the guys the fish. There's 12 disciples. They probably each got like a handful of of bread and fish, and they're like, what are we supposed to do with this? Are the the people still there? Because I'll I'll eat this. I'm, I'm still hungry. But they have to go and pass out all of this food, and yet all the food, it keeps multiplying and multiplying. But remember how I started this morning. God is all about trust and relationship. He's about stretching your faith, growing your confidence in Him. And Jesus knew that He wasn't going to be with these disciples forever. And so He needed to do something to grow their confidence and their trust in Him. And I want to remind you of what He taught them. Look again at verse 18. Jesus says, Bring me what you have in a very real way. I think God brought you here this morning, not by accident. This is a divine appointment for you to be reminded to bring God what you have. I don't know much about the Bible, Pastor. Bring God what you do know. Well, I don't have uh, much time in my day, Pastor. Well, bring God what you have. I'm not very smart. didn't go to college. Bring God what you have. Bring Jesus what you have. Here's what I want you to write down. Just one point today. I will do what I know how to do, trusting that God will do what only he can do. I'm going to do what I know how to do, trusting that God will do what only he can do. Again, Jesus knew these men needed to see him, that with him, anything is possible. They needed to have the utmost confidence in his abilities. It wasn't about what they could do. Although they did what they could do, right? He said, pass this food out. They knew how to pass out food, so they did what they knew how to do. And God would take care of the rest. Bring me what you have. Let's keep reading. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, 
How long do you think it took Jesus to dismiss the crowd, right? Okay, that's it, gang. You can go home, uh, pray, and be dismissed. I'd be like, Jesus, wait, whoa. You healed all our sick. We're all healthy. We're all full. I'm, I'm going to take my chances with you, Jesus. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. But somehow he gets the people to leave. And verse 23, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Jesus praying probably would have been a very interesting sight to see. Nevertheless, when evening came, he was there alone, praying. Sometimes that's another sermon all in itself. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, invite me, or your translation might say, Command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Now, did you see what happened. Peter knew what he knew how to do. Peter did what he knew how to do. He knew how to get out of a boat. He knew how to walk, but he also trusted that Jesus could do what only he could do, and that is that he could make him walk on water. Peter knew how to get out of a boat. He knew how to walk. He did not know how to walk on water, but Jesus could do that. I will do what I know how to do, trusting that God will do what only he can do. So let me ask you a question. What if you learned how to pray the Peter prayer? Lord, invite me out of my comfort zone. Invite me out of this boat. Keep in mind, this is pitch black at night. It's storming all around. The waves are being thrashed, the, uh, hitting the boat. Every, this is not just this calm sea. Peter says, invite me out. Be much more comfortable in the boat. What if, boat, what if you learned how to pray that prayer? God, invite me out. So let me ask you, where is God nudging you? What comfort zone do you need to step out of? What proverbial boat do you need to step out of? How are you trusting God? Let's finish our story. But when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you little faith, why did you doubt? Because I'm walking on water, bro! I'm supposed to be walking on water. That's why I doubted. But that's the issue, isn't it? It's all about faith and trust, growing our confidence in God. It's all about what God can do. And the point I'm trying to make here is that when you look at your own ability, of course you're going to sink. If everything is hinging upon your ability to do the job on your own power, then yes, you're going to sink. I will do what I know how to do, trusting that God will do what only he can do. If your eyes are just on you, yes, you're going to drown. Watch what happens. When they get in the boat, the wind ceased then, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So let me tie all of this together. When 
God has given you something to do, you should do it because God's given you passions. God has given you a certain personality. If you're a Christian, God has given you some spiritual gifts. And I don't believe, again, that you came to church by accident today. I believe that God brought you here to get you out of your boat, to nudge you out of your comfort zone. In fact, let me say it this way. If you're attending church today, and it seems like you are, or if you're watching online, you are benefiting because a group of people said, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to serve this church in any way that I can. You're reaping the rewards of people who said, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do what I know how to do. I'm going to trust God to take care of the rest. It's not about me. It's only about what God can do through me. So again, where's God nudging you? Where should you be getting involved? The issue here is not the new anthem needs you to do something for us. The issue is God wants to do something through you. Issue of faith. Do you trust God that he's wanting to do something through you? I will do what I know how to do. Trusting that God will do what only he can do. Jesus says, just bring me what you have. What do you have? What can you give God? See, some of you have the ability to sing or play an instrument. You should be using that for God's glory. Some of you have the ability to make coffee or bake cookies. You should be using that. Again, we've got a hospitality team that would love to have you be a part of what they're doing. Some of you have the ability to use your hands. You can plug in a cable. Production team would love you to have to plug in a microphone cable, something like that. Some of you wake up early in the morning, and when you wake up, you're breathing, and you should be part of the setup team. Those are the two requirements. <laughs> Get up and show up. That's all, that's all we need, okay? You should come in, set up chairs for the setup team. If you're friendly and you smile and, and people tend to like you, you should join the welcome team and help uh, other people feel welcome when they come in to the church. Again, uh, where's God nudging you? If you like kids, you should be serving back in the kids' ministry. You know, give those teachers one Sunday a month off. They'd love to be in service too. Again, it's a faith issue. It's not that we need something from you. It's that God's asked you to serve. You know, Jesus says, my spiritual food is to do the will of my Father. That's how I get fed. I often hear people, Pastor, well, I just need to get fed. I need, my job is to teach you how to feed yourself. And then your job is to do the will of the Father. That's how you get fed. Again, it's a trust issue. It's a faith issue. I will do what I know how to do, trusting that God will do what only God can do. And listen to me, only God can change somebody's life has nothing to do with what I'm preaching, anything like that. It's all about what God does in their heart in those moments. Sure, he uses my word. I'm trying to leverage my ability, do what I can do, and allow God to do what he can do. But how cool is it that God invites you to do something as simple as make some coffee, to allow a person to feel comfortable when they come in to service, or for other people to wake up when they come in to service? or use a snack, 
or give the ability for a mom whose husband just walked out on her to to let her kids go into a safe place and be taught the love of Jesus while she can sit in an auditorium in a gymnasium of all places. And how cool is God that he can use that to change her life so that she can hear the story of Jesus, that he loves her, that he died for her sins, that he wants to make her new. It's happened over and over. I could have given you a dozen stories of of people who felt safe and comfortable in a school gymnasium and God changed their lives because of the people uh, that made them feel welcome and comfortable because they greeted them with a hello and a handshake because the technology didn't distract them from anything because they were able to let their kids go hear the love of Jesus and they could in turn do the same. It's a big deal for you to be a part of this story that God is telling forever changed because you did what you knew how to do and you trusted that God would do what only he could do. Let me share one more verse with you this morning as we start to close. 1 Corinthians twelve fourteen. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Here's what that just said. We can't be effective as a church if you're not doing what you know how to do. God made some of you hands, made some of you feet, whatever it is. And if a hand is trying to be a foot and a foot's trying to be a hand, it ain't going to work. Sure, we can make the best of it for a while, but eventually it's going to fall apart because that's not how God designed the thing to work. Let me tell you a scary truth some point you're going to have to stand before God. And God's going to say, how come you didn't get out of the boat? And you're going to say, well, I don't remember you telling me to get out of the boat. And he's going to say, well, March 26, 2017, Pastor Landon said, where's God nudging you? And you just stayed in the boat. That's a scary thing to think about. Because God's given you passions. He made you to do something. Again, this is a trust issue. It's a faith issue. It's not has nothing to do with this Church, please hear me. God created you not to be a consumer, but to be a contributor, specifically in your spiritual life. We're not consuming everything. We need to contribute some things as well. And what I hear a lot of people say is people say stuff like, well, I just need to find a church that fits my needs, you know? I I need to be fed. And the reality is we're the church. If you're a Christian, you are the church. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the world. Amen, somebody. That's, the, that's what you should be looking for in churches. What are they doing? What's their mission? What's their vision? How are they helping people? And I'll just tell you right now, we have a vision to change people's lives. This is what New Anthem exists to do. We want to see marriages restored. We want to see addictions beat. We want to see financial freedom. Most importantly, we want to see people meet Jesus. We want to see lives changed because sin can be forgiven. Because your past can get wiped away. That your present is worth living because you've got a purpose. We want to help you discover that. That's why we 
exist. We're on a mission to change people's lives. God is inviting you to be part of the story. He's just saying, do what you know how to do. Again, I tell people all the time, I don't want you to quit doing what you're doing. I just want to teach you how to make a ministry out of it. Or I want to show you an opportunity that you can utilize those gifts here at this church to change somebody's life. Man, the stories that you'll get to hear when you're in heaven because you did something so simple as set up a chair and pray over that chair. God, whoever sits here today, would you change their life? Somebody in heaven is going to walk up to you someday and say, you don't know me, but I know that you served at New Anthem and I want you to know that God changed my life in that place. And you are a part of that story. And the reward that you're going to feel, the sense of pride and enjoyment that you'll get from something like that is unbelievable. Can't be put into words. Again, this is a faith and trust issue. I'm just reminding you of what God's told us to do. I will do what I know how to do. Trusting that God will do what only he can do. And only he can change somebody's life. But Jesus said, bring me what you have. What do you have? You have an opportunity to serve. You have an opportunity to get involved. Where's God nudging you? Only you can answer that. Let's close in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to come and gather in this place and hear from your word. God, I know there's many people here that are being nudged in some capacity. God, I just ask that you open it up their eyes, clearly articulate to them where you would have them get involved. What it is that you want them to do to further your kingdom. God, we are the church as Christians. You've called us to be a part of your story in some capacity. Wherever that is, God, I just ask that you make it known. Send your Holy Spirit in a powerful way to open up hearts, open up minds, open up lives. As we continue to pray this morning, I don't want to take this opportunity for granted because I don't know where each one of you are at spiritually. But if you're here this morning and, and God's nudging you to say, I, when he was talking about changed lives, that's you. I want you to change your life. Put your trust in me for the very first time. If that's you this morning, I just invite you to pray a prayer with me, not because there's magic in this prayer, but because God says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you'll be saved. And I want to give you a chance to be saved this morning, to trust God. And you say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've sinned. I'm sorry I've fallen short. But I believe in Jesus, that he died for me and rose again for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making me new. Help me as I serve you. God, help each person as they leave this place today to make an impact for your kingdom, to let your glory be shown through them. We are the light of the world. God, help our lights shine bright today. In Jesus' name, amen.